Welcome back to the KPO Podcast. I'm your host, Jagisha. This week on the podcast, I have best-selling author, Sherry LaPena. You may have read many of her books. She's written An Unwanted Guest, The End of Her, Not a Happy Family, Someone We Know, The Couple Next Door, A Stranger in the House, and now her latest one is Everyone Here is Lying. This is a page-thurning domestic suspense that will be very difficult to put down. So let's get started with the interview. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. So just to give the uh, give our listeners, orient them to the book, tell us the synopsis of the book. No spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's so hard to talk about this book or, or any of my books really without spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can really tell you is how it begins because it, it quickly starts to twist and turn. So this one begins with um, a man, William Wooler. He's a doctor. He's been having an affair with a woman. And she's just broken off with him and he's very upset. So he goes home to spend a little bit of time by himself to pull himself together. But when he gets home, his nine-year-old daughter, Avery, is at home unexpectedly. And she's not supposed to be there. She's supposed to be at school at choir practice, but she has been misbehaving and she's been sent home. And she is quite a difficult little girl. She has some very challenging behaviors. And um, she's supposed to wait for her older brother, Michael, to take her home. But she doesn't. She goes home. And when he arrives home and finds her there, they get into an argument. And she sasses him back. And he hits her really hard. He knocks her to the floor. And then a couple of hours after that, um, they realize that, that Avery is missing. So immediately an investigation begins. There's everyone looking for this little girl and wondering what's happened to her. And, of course, the investigation starts to focus on Avery's family, specifically the father. And, of course, it's a dysfunctional family. They have lots of secrets they're trying to hold. But as the story evolves, it becomes clear that there are many other people on the street who may or may not know something about what's happened to Avery. So um, it gets twisty pretty <laughs> pretty quickly, and everybody on the street is lying, mm-hmm. hence the title. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm actually a very big fan of yours and have read pretty much all of your books and enjoy every single one. I I stay up late reading them because I'm constantly wanting to know what happens next. Uh, So how do you go about writing your books? Do you get the idea first or do you find the characters? I always start with an idea that has a conflict and a couple of characters attached to it. So for instance, this one, all I knew was I wanted a little girl to go missing and I wanted I I saw this image of her being very, very challenging and difficult and the dad smacking her really hard. That was the opening for me. For other books, the ideas come from other things. I know for um, someone we know, for instance, I saw something online about a teenage boy who um, had snuck into his neighbors to Mm -hmm. use their Wi-Fi. And I thought that was a really interesting opening to a story. So that's how I began that one. Um, another one, the end of her began from a true crime story, actually, where someone had, um, it wasn't a true crime story. It was just a a story in the news about a woman who died from carbon monoxide poisoning when her car was stuck in a snowbank because the exhaust pipe was full of snow. And so she died of carbon monoxide poisoning. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting way to kill your wife. Should you want to kill your wife? And that was the basis then for the end of her, where the, the question in the book was, 
did he kill his first wife that way? So the ideas come from all over. It usually starts with just an idea and a couple of characters. So for this one was the father and the daughter. And then it, they just grow from there. I don't outline. I don't plan. I don't know where I'm going. I just mm-hmm. sort of trust the process each time and, and hope that it grows organically. And it, it does. I'm, I'm lucky that it does. If it doesn't, then I know the book isn't going to work and I quickly abandon it. But that's only happened to me once. Oh, I got to wow. about, about 30,000 words and I thought, yeah, this one's not working. It's not grabbing me. Mm-hmm. But every other time it's it's been fine. Oh, that's nice. Do you think you ever go back mm-hmm. to the book? Um, you mean to do a sequel? No, no. Or... Go back to the one you said you. Oh, to the one I bet. No, yeah. no. It didn't. It just didn't. It didn't seem to have the energy that I needed. I wasn't loving it. I wasn't. It wasn't taking off for me the way it needs to do. It didn't have the the energy and the potential that I usually have when I sit down and start. Mm-hmm. So if something's not really grabbing me and sending me off in lots of ways, then it's, it's a dud. Mm-hmm. The end of her was probably one of my favorite. There were so many plot twists on that one. And also an unwanted guest was one that I just, I loved because I love locked room mysteries and group of people that are snowbound and locked or snowed in, I guess is the word, uh, you know, B&B. Just, I just enjoyed mm-hmm. that one a lot. Mm-hmm. That was a tough one to write. That was the only one I've ever got myself into a corner plot wise and mm-hmm. had to figure out what to do to get out of it. So I actually had to cut some stuff that I'd written I realized I'd killed the wrong person first and I had to cut a bunch of stuff and then go back and rework it. But that that's the only time I've ever had to do that. Cause you know, locked room mysteries are very hard to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That one's uh, I can just see it being a challenge. Like you have this, there's so many parameters and boundaries to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So see, I tend to have a very wide open writing style where I can go off in any direction. So a locked room mystery for me was very tricky. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'll do another one, but uh, you never know. Never know. Maybe something will will grab you, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got to ask. So, what draws you to writing about psychopaths and and these killers, and 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 also just to like a lot of your books are, I guess, classified as domestic thrillers. So, what kind of draws you to that particular genre? I think it's just that I'm very familiar with those kinds of situations. I mean, all of us come from some sort of family or, or relationship situation. We've all mm-hmm. grown up probably in, within a family of some sort. Um, so it's something I feel I know well, and it's something that really interests me. Like I'm very interested in um, intimate relationships among people, especially in, you know, in families or in romantic relationships or between siblings, because there's so, those relationships are so fraught. I mean, they're mm-hmm. so much more laden than relationships with just people you work with or whatever. I mean, friendships can be very fraught as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just find, I find that space is a really interesting one to look at because every family is unique in its own way mm-hmm. and every relationship is unique in its own way. And it's, it's fascinating to me how many ways those families can go wrong. It's almost limitless. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, there's so many layers to explore. I mean, and, and relationships, yeah. you know, you've got, uh spouses you've got siblings sons and daughters uh so yeah there's a lot to to really explore yeah that's what i find so it's not just the plot it's all those relationships to me it's to me it's it's always the characters who drive the plot i don't i don't 
change the plot to suit the character. It's always the characters who drive mm -hmm. the plot forward. So do you, in all the books that you've written, do you have a favorite character? You know, I've been asked that before and I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I really liked Bridget Crookshank and The Stranger in the House. Mm -hmm. I'm quite fond of Avery in this one. I liked Inspector Rasback and The Couple Next Door, but I, I don't have a an absolute favorite character. No, I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're all very unique and different. So, um, mm -hmm. and that's the other interesting thing of exploring family relationships is that every in every book, the relationships and the characters are just extremely different and unique. Mm -hmm. Are there certain topics that you don't want to write about or, or you'd like, you just prefer to stay away from? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't like to deal with, you know, things that I find really distasteful, you know, like child pornography or, mm -hmm. or rape. I mean, I, I do have a parent here hitting a child, but I, I, I stay away from anything awful in terms of, you know, pornography or abuse of young children, or I, I like to suggest things. I, I like that. This is why I like psychological suspense. So my books aren't gory. They're not graphic. The tension all comes from what people are thinking, um, what they're anticipating, what they're afraid of, as opposed to, you know, coming across a, a really grisly murder scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, people do die in my books, but it's usually if it's you know it might be off stage or it might be fairly well it's not graphic anyway like i said the suspense is all from people's fears of being found out or you know their lies and, and being discovered and, and what they anticipate happening is really where all the tension comes from mm -hmm. i'm assuming your characters must surprise you all the time as you're you're kind of writing along and you're like yeah. Because that's probably how your plot twists come about. Like this character just suddenly does something and you're like, no, I wasn't expecting that. Yep. That happens to me quite a bit. I, uh, when I first wrote The Couple Next Door, that's when it, well, actually I shouldn't say that because I'd written other non-thrillers earlier and the same thing would happen. But when I was writing The Couple Next Door, something happened early on that made me realize someone might be a suspect. And that came, I thought, completely out of left field. And I was very surprised by it. But I find whenever this happens to me, whenever I have a twist and something takes off in a direction, if I go back and I look at it, all the all the ground ground or what do you call them? All the all the footwork for it's already been laid. Mm -hmm. And I think it's those little hints that make me realize later that this is what's gonna happen. So I think it's just all processing in there. And mostly when I've written my first draft, all the signposts are there for every character and every twist. The twists happen in the first draft, mm -hmm. but the revision is where I rework the structure and maybe make sure everything's in exactly the right place and lands properly and so on. But yeah, all the twists are organic and come in the writing of the first draft. So how did you get into writing? Because I think I read somewhere that you have a law degree. Yeah, I went to law school. I, I had always wanted to be a writer since mm -hmm. I was a little girl. Um, but I went to law school because nobody thinks a writer can make a living. Mm -hmm. And um, I went to law school and I, I practiced law for about a year and I really, really didn't like it. <laughs> we, I find a lot of us, we call ourselves recovered lawyers. There's a lot of lawyers around writing fiction now. Um, it's not for everybody. It's a very tough job. Uh, it's very grueling. It's very detail oriented. I didn't like it. I'm much happier writing books on my own time. That sort of suits me a lot better. Mm -hmm. 
And I can say I'm much more successful now as a writer than I ever was as a lawyer. So that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, it just didn't suit me. I think I was always meant to be a writer. It just took me many, many years and a few detours to get to the point where I thought, okay, now, now I'm going to do it. And I was mm -hmm. almost 40 when I finally decided to get serious about writing. Well, I'm so glad you did because I really love your books. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so do you see yourself maybe switching genres or trying a, a different, uh, even a subgenre? Yeah, I can see that happening eventually. I mean, I think I, I love suspense. So like I said, I've written comedy before. I love suspense. I think it's where I naturally fit. It's what I love to do. I might segue a bit out of domestic in a while, um, but I'm not sure where. Like, I'm not sure legal thrillers appeal to me, but I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Or um, political thrillers appeal to me, but I'm not sure. So for now, I'm I'm pretty happy where I am. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know if I want to do, you know, another 10 books of domestic suspense. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I guess wherever the muse takes you. Exactly. And my next book, which I'm just editing now, that's out next summer, it is a bit of a departure. It's still, you know, it's a very twisty, fast paced mystery who, who done it. But it's a bit different for me. It's a rural setting and a, just a bit of a different kind of story. Okay. And that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, yep. I guess we'll have to wait till next year when it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a, a particular writer or writers that you like to read? Yeah, I read really widely mm -hmm. in my genre. So for instance, whenever people ask me when I'm reading, I always forget. So right now, I'm reading a book that hasn't come out yet called Anna O, which is a psychological thriller about a psychiatrist. Before that, I read, I just finished the new Daniel Silva, which is a political spy thriller. Mm -hmm. Before that, I read the new Lisa Jewell, which I loved. Uh, it was very suspenseful. Before that, I read another spy thriller by Ava Glass. Um, I'm going to read the new Richard Osman that's on my desk. The new S.A. Cosby is on my desk. Um, I read sort of really widely in the thriller genre. So I don't read just domestic suspense, but I, I do read a lot of that. But I also read all the other thrillers, too. I, mm -hmm. I, I love spy thrillers and I love legal thrillers and I love political thrillers. Um, anything that's a thriller, I love. That's what mm -hmm. I, I like on TV and that's what I like in books. But I also read, you know, nonfiction. I read some literary stuff. I, I read all over the place. So for, for a writer starting out, uh, what advice would you give them, especially if they wanted to get into writing domestic thrillers? Well, I would say it's it's quite a crowded market. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot there's a lot out there right now in domestic suspense. It's become very popular over the last 10 years or so. Um, I, I always tell writers that they really have to work on finding their own voice because that's, that's what's going to sell a book both to the publishing houses and also that's what will make the readers read you. Because, you know, there's nothing really totally original out there. It's mm -hmm. really all how you how you filter the story for the reader. I mean, what, what it is about the way you tell the story or your unique perspective. So you really have to work on, you know, voice. And the way to get to voice is you go down really deep and try and figure out what it is about the story that makes it particular to you. Like, what is it about this story that really grabs you. And I think see with the couple next door, that book just grabbed me because I had been a mother 
and a bit of a nervous mother and terrified of, you know, my kids disappearing or, or whatever. And I was able to draw on that and pull on all that fear and anxiety and, um, you know, capitalize on that for that book. Mm-hmm. So I, I think finding your own voice is really essential. And I think if you really want to learn to write thrillers well, you have to learn how to finish a book. And a lot of people write scenes very well or chapters or short stories really well. But if you want to write a thriller, a full book, you ha- even if it's not going well, I tell people finish the damn book because you will learn more from finishing the book and figuring out what is wrong with it structurally and fixing it. Um, then you will learn if you start and don't finish three books. I mean, there's a lot to be learned from just finishing mm-hmm. and reworking a complete book. So I say finish the damn book. You know, and if you have to throw it away, a lot of people throw away their first thriller. Um, I was lucky I didn't have to, but I'd written a couple of books before that. And I had thrown away a book before that. So it's not unusual to have your first book be a failure that's not worth showing to anyone. But you learn so much from Mm -hmm. completing that book and trying to improve it. You learn where you're weak. And like in my first book, I remember my editor saying, you are you avoid conflict. And which it's true in my life. I avoid conflict in my life all the time. But she goes, you avoid conflict in your fiction. You can't do that. And I thought, <laughs> you know, she's right. And then I went and I would go after conflict and I would you know, make it worse and worse, which is exactly what you have to do writing books, whether they're thrillers or not. And of course, in my books, it's all conflict all the time. So I've learned to, um, I mean, I still avoid conflict in my own life, but it's certainly not in my fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of interesting you say that about uh, finishing the book and throwing it out. I think I remember, uh, I think it was Brandon Sanderson, who I think he said something like he threw out his first eight books <laughs> or yeah. something like that. And he just, uh, although he's a you know, very prolific writer now and mm-hmm. produces books like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to learn. It's a craft that you need to learn. It's not something that just, unless you're Jane Austen, who apparently wrote these perfect drafts that were perfect i've seen her manuscripts and there's nothing scribbled out but that's unusual most people have to learn the trade like you have to learn how to do it so it it does take time and it takes effort and discipline Mm -hmm. no one's an overnight success i don't care what they say i mean a couple next door was a huge book for me but i'd been writing for many years by the time that book came out Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of interesting because, I mean, you would never say that to a surgeon. Be like, oh, yeah, you're, you know, they don't do surgery probably until years of observing and doing smaller things before they go on and do their own major surgery. So it's the same thing with the book, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I meant to ask about titles. So you have some unusual titles. So how do you, how do they decide on titles? Oh, titles are really hard. It's different almost every time. So The Couple Next Door was my title. I thought of that. And then after that, it's been a team effort. Like sometimes it's my American team that will come up with a title. Sometimes it's my British one. This title, Everyone Here is Lying, came from my British editor, Sarah Adams. And the next one, and I can't tell you what the title is, also came up. She also came up with. But um, some of them, I think one of them was my agent. One of them was um, my American editor. It's just, it's a team effort. We'll sort of run titles by each other. I haven't come up with a title for years. I'm just really bad at it. Every title I think of is already used somewhere in some other book. And that's the problem. A lot of the good titles are taken. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard to come up with a good gripping title that suits the book, but hasn't been used before. Um, and mine, you know, they always try and 
have titles that are sort of similar in tone and feel so that the mm-hmm. books sort of have the same marketing look. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, title, titles are hard. Yeah. Well, and I know that as a librarian, when someone, a patron comes up to us and says, hey, do you have this book? And the title is Haunted. Well, Haunted is, <laughs> you know, there's a ton of books with that title. And then we, we get this giant list like, okay, do you know the author? <laughs> so it's we appreciate very having hard. unique titles. Yeah. <laughs> now, each of your books are standalones. And so do you ever see yourself like wondering what the characters are doing, at the, you know, later on down the line? Like I've always wondered in um, The Couple Next Door. Like mm-hmm. what happened? I mean, I know what, I mean, I know how the book ended, but I'm just always curious. Like, what are those two, what are they doing now? Or what happened? What happens next? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I tend to leave all my books at the end a little bit open-ended. Mm-hmm. So I answer like the big question, who did it or what happened? I answer most, you know, all the little questions that lead to the big question. But I often will leave things a little bit unclear or a little bit open-ended at the end of the book. And I like to do that because personally, I like to think of my characters living on beyond the pages of the book when the book's Mm -hmm. over. To me, they don't just end. Mm -hmm. And I I, personally, I don't like a a tidy ending at the end where everything's tied up in a little bow because I don't think life is like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. life is never, you might resolve something, but there's always the next thing in your life that's going to happen tomorrow. Right, right. So I always like to leave things a little bit wrapped up, but a little bit open-ended. So mm-hmm. you sort of know where where, how, where it's going, but you're not really sure. And that I know that leaves open room for a sequel because I get questions yeah. a lot about sequels. <laughs> Some books more than others. I've been asked about sequels for this one. Sequ- well, for all of them, I've been asked mm-hmm. for sequels. And I, I don't know if that's in the works or not. Possibly one day. I don't yeah, that was actually my next question. I'm like, would you write a sequel? Because, you know, Not a Happy Family is another one. I'm like, ooh, I wonder what happened <laughs> down the line. Well, you you sort of know. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you can pretty much figure out what's going to happen at mm-hmm. the end of that book. You know, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. But this one, the everyone here is lying. I can see some room for a few years hence for writing a follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, generally it's hard because you, you know, you follow a family or a group of people who've been through a trauma and you kind of want to leave them alone, but this one, there might be room later okay. down the road to, uh, we'll see. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. do you see yourself maybe writing a series down the line? Like if you find a character that you're just like, you know, I need to know, I need to bring them back maybe in a second or third book. Yeah. You know. I, I've toyed with the idea of, of series, and the problem with series is you need a, a recurring character. And for the kinds of books I do, it's a little tricky unless it's a detective. And I don't really want to do police procedures. So when I write a book, there's detectives in there, but the focus isn't so much on the police. It's more mm-hmm. on the people in the domestic situation. And the police are there to exert pressure on the people and to raise the stakes and to put them under scrutiny and and, and put them under pressure, essentially, mm-hmm. and try and solve the crime. So unless I want to write more of a police procedural and have a recurring detective, I haven't quite figured out how to do a series. I don't want to do a detective series because there are so many detective series that are so much better than I could do, um, that are more authentic, that have a, a lead into that kind of life. And they're so, so authentic, right? Written by police officers and so on. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. So um, I wouldn't do that. But if I could, I don't know, maybe a lawyer. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Mm -hmm. 
Well, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun to, I guess, if mm-hmm. he did decide, if you find a character, a lawyer would be kind of interesting because then he's getting a different, he or she getting a it's different, different case. case. Yeah, that, that's the only one I can think of that. And as I said, I do love, I do love a good legal thriller. Um, the other thing is too, if you're writing, if you want TV series, they always want a recurring, a recurring character. So that's another thought, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, and I think your books would be great as a, you know, as movies too. I mean, I think it would be a lot of fun to see them on the, on the screen. Yeah. So do I, I mean, I have a lot of options out there Mm -hmm. just waiting for something to be made like everyone else. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It takes so long. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, listeners, everyone here is lying is right is available right here at the Kirkwood Public Library and wherever amazing books are sold. Sherry, thank you so much for your time and uh, and and just rescheduling this appointment. Thank you. Oh, no worries. And thank you for being a librarian and being a library. I always support libraries because um, they do such amazing things, not just loaning out books, but they do so many things um, to address, you know, inequality of opportunity in our societies. Mm-hmm. So. I always love to support libraries and, you know, always borrow books from the libraries. I'm not offended if you borrow books from the libraries instead of buying them. I get emails from people saying, are you upset if I take the book out of the library instead of buying it? No, no, I no. Use your libraries. That's our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next week when we talk to Lauren J.A. Bear about her latest book, Medusa Sisters. Until next week.